0: Welcome to the Perky Colour Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Colour Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today I'm so excited to in- introduce my guest, Corrine Stacia Thomas, and she's a founder of Absolute Events by Corrine. How are you this morning, Corrine?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you for that introduction. David, how are you?
0: I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for asking. So I'd like to kick off the show with a why. Why did Corrine get into the event planning business? Why did you start Absolute Events by Corrine?
1: That's an interesting question. So I started, um, I, I actually did events with um, my ex-husband doing floral designs for events. And every time we would deliver flowers for event or set up an event, um, I was intrigued by how um, what I saw as what it looked like a planner. I didn't know at the time what a planner was. But um, there was one specific time that we were doing a wedding, and I someone said that that's the wedding planner, and um, I thought, <laughs> myself, that um, I could do a better job than what I see is happening. See, my um, I've always been a serv- in a service related industry, um, and I thought that I could do something about that. So I often wondered what that meant, how one gets into that field and um, eventually I worked for KPMG in the meetings and events department. I was an associate director there and that's where I learned what meeting and events were all about and uh, I got bug from there and uh, decided to start my business in 2007. And I haven't looked back. I love what I do.
0: That's exceptional. So I guess, what sparked you obviously you had that event, you're like, well, I could do it better, but what made you feel like that was the industry you want to get into? Just because you felt like you could do it better, that was the main, was, so, the main thing? Was?
1: Yeah. So aside from that, once I learned about events, I I really enjoyed the environment of that. I enjoyed okay. The notion of being able to take a concept from the beginning and go all through the end and produce something that um, that delighted people around me. Uh, when you work in a corporate environment, it doesn't matter what you, your level is; you're usually just relegated to a certain uh, segment of what it is that you're doing for work but you don't really get the whole, you don't get to make any kind of um, impact that's meaningful to you in that whole scheme of things. Doing events, however, allows you to go right from what's in someone's mind to producing an outcome that reflects what was in their mind. So you get to see something happen from conception all the way to realization. In a corporate environment you may get somewhere in the middle your piece you get to do but you don't really get to see how it impacts um the universe as it were at the end of that
0: interesting so tell me about some of your most exciting uh events and or meetings you put on
1: so some of the exciting events used i used to do um weddings when i started my business and um, i did mostly destination weddings. So being able to work in a different environment, a different country was um, was exciting. Um, and doing um, galas used to be one of my favorite things to do before this pandemic ended. One of the most um, exciting one that I, I I wanna talk about because it was also very challenging, was doing a gala for eight hundred people on Ellis Island, um, and for for anybody listening, Ellis Island is where the Statue of Liberty is. So, and it is an island. To get to it, you need a ferry to to get there. So imagine having to get eight hundred and seventy five people um, over to uh, this. Ellis Island, which is, by the way, a museum, because during the day people are going to visit the Statue of Liberty. So you can't really do, you can't do any kind of setup um, until about six in the evening. And um, so having to start an event at 7.30 and having to do all of the setup between six and and 7.30, was quite a challenge. We also, um, because this was for a hospital, a Catholic hospital, there were about uh, sixty nuns in their eighties and nineties wow. that were going to be attending, and it was quite a, a dance to get them over to the island without having to go on the ferry. So it was, it was really, uh, it was a beautiful event. Everybody had a great time, including. The nuns um, and I look back at that as uh, I I really do like a challenge in my work. So <laughs> that's one that I look back at fondly.
0: Um, that's incredible, and obviously, like you mentioned, they all have to take a ferry over. So it's you're limited to the number of people that can fit on the ferry. The age of the right. people obviously is a factor on making sure there's it's a smooth path to get on the ferry. Watch the steps, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, ever, it was ever actually played, a long walk. Yeah, that's yeah, true too. You want to keep that nice and simple for them, and maybe some of them are in wheelchairs, and some of them have walkers, and some other right. uh, assistants. Is there a reason yeah. why they picked Ellis Island? Was there a sentimental value besides obviously that's the first image you see when you come into America, uh, coming from another country? Uh, is there was there some something symbolic about Ellis Island that made them pick that as a destination?
1: Um Not necessarily symbolic, it's just a fabulous place to have an event. Okay. But most people For most people who have an event on Ellis Island will only do it once because of the um, the logistical complications of getting there. Right but um, being there, I mean it, it it's nice to be able to say you had your event on Ellis Island or you went to an event. On Ellis Island. I mean, people really. We got to a point because there's a maximum capacity. We got to a point where we could not sell any more tickets because there were many more people who wanted to attend this event, and um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't an inexpensive ticket. It was right. uh, uh, quite expensive, but. Um, Ellis Island for this particular client, they had done lots of different places that were well known um, in New York City, as well as in New Jersey. And Ellis Island's kind of an ultimate. It's just for people like like myself, planners to um, take care of the logistical details and make it happen. but, um, but it, was, it was good for the organization to do that. They were glad that I, they did their event there.
0: I assume, was it a fundraiser then for the Catholic Hospital?
1: Absolutely, it was a fundraiser. And they, okay. they, made, they actually surpassed the goal they had. They were looking to raise a million dollars. They actually came in at a million three or thereabouts. So it was, um, it was very successful for them, too.
0: Well, congratulations. It kind of takes our podcast out of the normal order. We got into a great success story. So let's go backwards for a second. Uh, obviously, success stories are always one of those things you want to, uh, you know, share because it's, it's good that all the time and effort and work and stress, it all played out and everybody won. You got a great event. They got the money they're looking for. And now you have a referral for future business. So right. walk me through a mistake you made, Kareem. Uh, in the last several years, since 2007, so the last 13, almost 14 years, walk through right. a mistake you made for an event and what you learned from that mistake. Because sometimes the mistakes are just as valuable as, as the success stories.
1: Indeed. Um, a mistake in an event. Um, let's think about that one. Uh, huh. It's very hard to come up with that. I can, I can tell you mistakes I made in, in my business in general. No, you can do that, that's fine. So one of the biggest mistakes that I believe I made in business, and I really wanna talk about this um, because I think people can benefit from it, is that I had um, two large clients that I specifically um, paid a lot of attention to. Um, I had one client, I did all of their meetings Events for about eight years. And another client, I did one event for them, but I did it for about 10, 12 years. Um, both of those clients in the same year, one of the one that I did all the meetings and conferences for determined that they um they were gonna downsize what they do as far as meetings and events, and um They no longer needed to have an external resource to help them. In the same year, the other large client decided to bring the event in-house. So it's kind of putting um, what I call putting all my eggs in one basket. That year was quite devastating because what it meant was that I had to replace that revenue with something else, which wasn't as easy as I had anticipated it might be. So I think that's it. So I guess to say, um, to kind of summarize that is be very diverse in um, building your client base when it comes to your business. Um, The only other thing that I would add to that is, um, and this would have been a mistake that I made, very early on in my business and that is pricing um or pricing without valuing my own services in the right way so starting with low pricing and having a difficult time ramping up to what it should be i don't know if that if that's clear enough but uh, yeah, it makes sense yeah. It's,
0: it's basically determining your own worth. You yeah. Know, the time you put in, what is yeah. that worth to you? What does that worth to the customer? What can you charge? Right. And, and just having more value in yourself and being willing to ask the price that you deserve based on your expertise and your in your performance.
1: Exactly. And um, that is something I wish someone had um, made clear to me when I first started my business that, that that was a very important fact to know and to implement in your business.
0: And I assume also, it's a moving scale. Maybe the first year or two, you can only sell services for a certain price based on your experience, based on just getting started, based on ramping up. But by year five, by year seven, by year 10, those same services are now performed at a higher level. Right. Therefore, you can charge more for those same
1: services. Exactly. And the interesting thing is, in your first years, while you feel like you don't have as much experience, Doing the thing, you still bring a lot of value to the table in doing that thing. So whatever, it's going to be less that you charge that when you you get more experienced at doing the same thing. So there's a fine line between going too low so that it takes way too much time to go up to the level that you need it to be.
0: Makes sense. And also you have to live. And you have your own expenses, and you, you have to value the time it takes to get all done and to do a good job. And obviously, you have to look at the market, whether people are charging. Those are all things that help you set your price. And if you're charging too low, it says you don't value your, your efforts as much as you should be, uh, or you're not doing enough homework. For those that are listening, do your homework, find out what people are charging for certain events, Indeed. and find out how much experience they have. And that way, you put your price in the right net range. You can always go up based on experience later on. Can you give the listeners a a range of events that you do? Just so if they're thinking about a wedding, they're thinking about a prom, they're thinking about a business conference, they're thinking about a gala, give them a range of things, the services you provide.
1: Okay, so so I work now primarily with um, senior managers who are responsible for meetings and events in their companies, as well as small business owners who I believe should be using events to grow their businesses. So that is meetings, conferences, um, team building, galas, fundraising events, um, book launches, um, even um, even in this virtual environment, all of those can still happen. Um, I think it's important to note that while we are in this Pandemic and there are restrictions for gathering. People should not be afraid to consider doing their events virtually. It's just a matter of reimagining what you did in person and producing the same in, virtu- in this virtual environment. A lot of clients have seen and and realized um, very successful outcomes from doing virtual. In some instances, people have actually made more money doing their virtual events because if you think about it, in this virtual environment, you can get much more attendance from far and wide, globally even, rather than where you live in your locale.
0: Makes sense. And I think it's something that with COVID, people have had to think how can I still have events and how can I grow my business without having a an event locally? Right. And I think those have, have taken the time to think about the virtual opportunity have really grown their business and now have a global business versus just a local business in their city. Uh, so I think it's a really good point to end on. Uh, do me a favor and share a way so we can get a hold of you. Whatever you feel comfortable giving out, whether it be a website, a phone number, an email, okay. your social media handles, whichever you're you're on. So people okay. can look you up, and also, and also, what territories you cover? Are you anywhere in the U.S.? Are you primarily just New Jersey? Where do the events uh, tend to take place that you can help host and coordinate?
1: So I've always um, done events where wherever my client is looking to do an event. I've had clients come to me from New Orleans, from North Carolina, from England to do an event either in their locale or here in the US or here in New Jersey. So my company will do events anywhere. Um, and in this environment, it's a lot easier, especially as we're doing virtual events. So it doesn't matter where my clients come from. Um, okay. So I can be reached uh, on LinkedIn, at my LinkedIn profile, Corinne Stacia Thomas, um, or you can find me on my website, absoluteeventsbycorine.com and I, you can also find me on Instagram, same same handle, absoluteeventsbycorine.com but Corinne Thomas or Corinne Stacia Thomas on LinkedIn is probably the best way to reach out to me. Um, I'm going to also give you my company number, my office number, which is 201-327-1000. Again, that is 201-327-1000.
0: Well, Karina, I really appreciate your time. Uh, since we have a couple minutes left, are there any questions I didn't ask you that you want to share with the listening audience?
1: So I think um, one of the things that I, I'd like um the audience to know is that um, having a virtual event in this environment does not have to be just a Zoom meeting. I have a proven process that allows people to gather, exchange information, learn and produce successful memorable experiences through the virtual environment. You can have really engaging, fabulous events virtually. I think that's something I really need people to hear and know some people get it, um, but some people are still a little skittish about how that can work. Reach out to me, I can show you how.
0: Excellent. I think it it gets people out of their comfort zone. Yes. They have a certain, uh, that they're used to and uh, anything outside that normal comfort zone is just scary. So it's nice that you have that experience and that background that you can help them understand, hey, I know it sounds scary. I know it's awkward. I know it's uncomfortable, but it can be done. Yes. And it will be done. And I can give you people that have done it with extreme success. Indeed. And hopefully that provides some comfort for them. And they're like, you know what? Why not? Why not try it? And then once you do it, I'm sure they'll be in love with it. And they can have some local conferences once things open up again. And they may still keep some virtual conferences and events in the future so they have that nice global outreach that they just can't have on a local scale.
1: Exactly. Because if Tony Robbins can have a three-day event with 32,000 people all in attendance for three days straight for longer than eight hours each day, then you can do it too.
0: Exactly right. Well, Karina, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate your expertise and taking the time and squeeze me in between meetings. And uh, I want to thank you so much and thank you for uh, shop, in a, shop with me in Charlotte when you're in town, and I hope everyone took a lot away from the show.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and thanks for doing what you do. I'm looking forward to shopping with you again. Thank you so much, Karine. You have a wonderful you day. too, thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Perky LLC is a clothing innovation company. We bring products to market that solve clothing-related problems. The first product I'm going to discuss is the Perky Collar. It is a collar support system for dress shirts. Don't you hate it when your collar lays flat, tucks under, one's up, one's down, totally lays flat when you wear a blazer? Well, no more. Here's how it works. Whether you're wearing a button-down shirt or a non-button-down shirt, it works with the other one. Lift your collar up, put the Perky Collar on the collar chamber of your shirt, and then lay your collar down on top of it. Look in the mirror and adjust it so it's even from around your neck. Again, the perky collar sits on the shirt, doesn't touch your neck directly, and weighs less than a half an ounce. So virtually it's invisible and it's weightless. You'll see an amazing difference in how great your collar perks up every time you put on your perky collar. To order, go to perkyllc.com.